Hi, everybody. Uh, the, uh, as, the, as you know, the video did reveal very clearly that I married into um, greatness. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and that's really the only reason why I'm here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we believe God has called us here. We are super excited. And if I say too much about that, I'll start to get a little emotional. And I already know that many of you are struggling right now with whether or not you're going to listen to me because I'm in skinny jeans. So... Um, <clears throat> A few things you want to know about me besides, uh, besides what my heart for Jesus, our family's call to serve the Lord in ministry, um, and our love for our little boy Judah is that we got another one on the way in October, uh, baby Janelle. We just found out that we're going to have a girl on Tuesday of this past week. We are pumped. We are so pumped. I thought the first one was going to be a girl. Judah is great, and I am so grateful for that, but I'm looking forward to having a girl, um, and uh, we've called her Janelle, Ruth, and we can give you, I can give you personally the reasons why we named her that, but uh, the other thing you need to know about me is I love coffee, love coffee, yeah, now here's the thing, I'm not one of those flat, K-cup, boring, green mountain kind of people, no offense to K-cup machines, they're great and convenient, but I don't like green mountain coffee, it's like going to New Jersey, sorry, anybody listening online from New Jersey, it's just kind of just gross, and I'm, I gotta also say this, I'm super excited about making an exodus out of the land of Dunkin' Donuts on every corner. But I'm sorry that I'm not making the exodus far enough west to the land of Starbucks on every corner because that's my kind of coffee. I like a flavorful kind of coffee. I'm talking a roller coaster ride from the front of your mouth to the back when you swallow hills, mountains, and valleys kind of stuff. I like that kind of stuff. So, so if you want to have a good cup of coffee with me, we will go to Starbucks and we will talk about the coffee together and Jesus, of course. But we will enjoy coffee together. I will go to Duncan with you. There are some things that I do like there. Now, if the skinny jeans weren't enough, a couple of you are out checked totally between K-Cups, Green Mountain, and Dunkin' Donuts. So with that, why don't we open our Bibles and see how many of us can track along with me on that. Uh, Open up to Ephesians chapter 4, if you will. We're actually going to start in chapter 3. So if your Bible splits chapter 3 and chapter 4, start in chapter 3 because we're going to start with the uh, last two verses, verse 20 and 21. And while you turn there, let me just give you a little bit of context for Ephesians. The book of Ephesians was written to a church uh, in a region called Ephesus, go figure, which is in southern Europe. Now, the reason why it was written, it was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul started that church. He gathered that church together, and he wrote that to that church as really a theology of what this new thing the church was. See, you and I don't get that. We don't, we don't know what it's like to have the church be a new thing. See, at the time that Paul wrote that, it was only a few decades old. The church as a movement, as, as a worship system, as something that anybody had any understanding about was brand new. And to give you a little more context of it, if you read the book of Acts, the church pro- almost doesn't even become anything other than a sect of Judaism. It's really, it's really crazy when you look at the movement of, in the book of Acts. For the first couple decades, it's all based in Jerusalem. And the people that had become Christians were primarily Jewish people who had accepted Jesus as their Messiah. And so because of that, they were worshiping primarily in the temple. And it wasn't until persecution came that booted the majority of the people who were worshiping Jesus as their Messiah out of Jerusalem into the greater Palestinian region and beyond, that, that Christianity wasn't just a Jerusalem thing. 
And as that happened, which by the way, we look back on it and we see the hand of God all over it, that the next thing that makes it so strange and starts to really birth, starts to mature what was the church being birthed in Acts chapter 2 is that Paul, the persecutor of Christians, got converted to, I'm sorry, Saul, the persecutor of Christians, got converted to Paul, the preacher of the church and the preacher for Christianity. And right alongside, somewhere in that timeline, Peter gets, who, who really represents kind of Christianity at that point, he's pretty much the main guy at it, he ends up getting a vision for God, from God, and it takes a vision about food, which I like, by the way. It took a vision about food for Peter to get, wait a minute, what Jesus did on the cross was enough to totally and totally abolish any, he's fulfilled everything about the law, meaning that people, this is really where it comes, through food, Peter had to realize that food was food, so the kosher requirements were all set. He could eat whatever he wanted. Food was food, not only people were people. And that was a big deal for a Jew to recognize that people were people. And it didn't matter if they were a Jew or not. Jesus was their Messiah. And that's a whole other sermon, so I won't go too long on that. But just to say this, when that happened, because of the persecution, Christians had fled, and they had fled up to what we know for sure was a region called Syria. And when they fled up to Syria, there were these Jewish Christians starting to share the news that Jesus was the Messiah. And, he, and they started to share it with other Jews. And those Jews believed as well, and they started gathering together to worship. But apparently the news spread that when Peter got the news that people were people and Jesus is the Savior of all people, Peter went and shared the gospel with the Gentile. And guess what happened? He got saved. And not only him, but a bunch of his friends. So the news had spread that the Gentiles were turning to faith in God. And so apparently in Antioch, they started sharing the gospel with Gentile people. And when you read Acts chapter 13, you see the cross-section of the leadership of a church there. And that church, excuse me, i got to get a little drink of water. That church was, comprom- was comprised of not just Jewish people, but people from different racial backgrounds, different regions of the world, and different socioeconomic backgrounds. And it's from there that God sends, sets aside Paul and Barnabas to go out to the known world and start sharing the gospel. And so Paul and Barnabas go, and they go to southern Europe, and that's where Ephesus, the people in Ephesus, get saved. And so this is the big deal about what Ephesus is, because in Ephesus, you had Jews and Gentiles starting to worship together. When, when people got saved, they couldn't worship in the synagogue there, so they started gathering them together. And it was these gatherings, which is where we get our word church from, that they started trying to work together, started to worship together. And this was completely unheard of at that time. And the problem with that is, is it's, it was totally misunderstood. Like, they didn't have a lot of understanding about what they were supposed to be doing and what it was and why it was so significant. But for people from different religious, socioeconomic, and cultural backgrounds to be together, worshiping the same God at that time was huge. And so the book of Ephesians was written by Paul to explain the theology of the church, to provide the the implications, the the incredible reality of what the church was, and then from there to provide practical outworkings so that these people in Ephesus and then later the rest of the church and then ultimately us could benefit from that information to understand how great the church is. So turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Paul, the first three, the first three chapters, Paul is really providing the theology of the church. 
He's saying how great the church is. And at some point in that, just before verse 20 and 21, he ends his theology of the church with this prayer. And he busts into an incredible prayer. And he gets towards the end of it and he says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, awesome prayer, right? Awesome ending to a prayer. If somebody prayed that here, whoo, it would get crazy in here. And I'm not going to do that because I'm not Paul. But here's the thing. If you read over that passage too fast, you miss something. Do you notice how it ends? What's the climax of the prayer? It's the prayer, the climax of the prayer is that God would be glorified in the church, which we would say, yeah, God was definitely glorified in Ephesus. Look, we got a book from it, right? Amen. But notice he doesn't end there. He goes into all generations. Think about that. That that means you and me. That means New Hope Church. Do you realize Paul was praying for New Hope Church? Paul prayed that God would be glorified, that is, that the worth of God through Jesus Christ would be seen and known in our church and to the world. And to which I could just close the book right there and say, amen, let's, let's be done, I'll close in prayer. Uh, Chris, can you come back up, let's lead another song and be done. But that's not where the letter ends, is it? No, no, the letter ends and three chapters later. And Paul ends his prayer and then says this. He says, therefore. Preachers love to say this. What's the therefore, therefore? The therefore is therefore in light of all that Paul had shared about this incredible thing that the church was. The the answer to the world's need. The the answer that all people are saved through one man, Jesus Christ, the God-man. And that all people from all backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, religion, whatever, all come together for the God that made them, created them, saved them. And that God's wisdom was shown through that. He shared that earlier, which is nuts. And this is where he gets. He says, therefore, in light of that, and not just that, but in light of what I just prayed for you New Hope Church. See, we read that, I read that often, and I just kind of say, okay, that's what he's praying for, for Ephesus. But no, since he included New Hope Church in his prayer, this applies to you, and you, and you, and you, and me, to anybody here that's a Christian, this applies to. It says, therefore I implore you, I beg you, I beseech you to walk. And that idea of walk is, is, is a word used many times in the New Testament. What it's getting at it's getting at, let this be the core of who you are, what motivates you, what drives you, what makes you do the things you do. This is the purpose for why you are alive. What is it? It's what Paul just prayed. That God would be glorified in his church. He says, walk in a, worthy, walk in a manner worthy to the calling to which you have been called. I know it's a little late at night. And tomorrow it's going to be really early in the morning, so I'm sorry, but i got to unload this on you. Do you realize, not only is Paul praying that God would be glorified, but he's telling you to get to glorifying God, if I could say it that way. So here's the, here's the implication. It comes, in a, it comes in the main idea, if we could go to that slide, that you and I 
are responsible for God's glory in New Hope Church. Now, now if you are like me, I would, I, I'd be like, oh, come on, Paul. If Paul knew me, Paul would not be, God, he would not be telling me that's my responsibility. I mean, I can barely remember my coffee mug when I leave the house to make sure it makes it back at the house at the end of the day. I mean, surely I could get something a little bit less than that. I'm sure you're probably thinking the same thing. And you might even be going, how in the world, how in the world am I going to glorify God? Am I going to show his value and his worth in New Hope Church? It's kind of a nebulous idea. Well, to give you encouragement, we're going to go to verse 16, because that's where we're going to end today. And in verse 16, it's like a closing sentence, if you will. In verse 16 of chapter 4, it says this, From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies... According to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. How do you glorify God in the church? Another translation says, by everyone doing their part. By you doing your part. So you might be asking, well, what's my part? Well, there's at least four areas that we are all called to be responsible for. For God to be glorified in New Hope Church. And here's the deal. My heart is not to give you a list. Like, my, my heart is not, to, is, not to, is not to go, okay, here's four things. Check off the ones that you're doing and find the one you're not. My prayer is that God would speak to your heart today about where you can take a step with him to take responsibility for God's glory here in New Hope Church. And that you will do it And here's the encouraging thing. When you do, the worth of God will be shown in your desire to do that. God will be glorified. Isn't that awesome? That is so awesome. So I've I've kind of crafted this since then statement for us to kind of walk through this together. And guess what? We're going to participate with each other. It's going to be great. You're going to say that statement with me, and then I and then we're going to add on our first area of responsibility, which is our attitude, and that's going to be what comes up. So so with me, why don't you repeat this phrase? Since God's glory and new hope, church depends on me doing my part. I will take full responsibility for, and it's going to come up our first thing. So say this with me together. Ready? Since God's glory and New Hope Church depends on me doing my part, I will take full responsibility for, and the first one is, my attitude. Say that with me. All right, I get that in verses 2 through 3. Check this out. Verses 2 through 3, it says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Your attitude matters. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time or you've been in the church for a little while, you've heard enough sermons on, the atti- on, on attitude. You've probably heard them. So I'm not going to touch a whole lot, a lot on this other than say it's all about representing Christ well. That's what it is. We need to take responsibility for our attitude because our, how we respond in our attitude, how, how our attitude, uh, how, what comes out of our, our lives and, and the attitude that we have communicates something about God and his relationship with his people, and his relationship to the world through Christ's body, the church. So you and I need to take full responsibility for our attitude. And here's the deal. It's not necessarily a morality thing, although it really does matter. And people are going to be looking to see 
if you're consistent in your life, and so your morality matters. But it's way more than that. It's a Jesus thing. It's a Jesus thing. So not only are we responsible for our attitudes, but we're also responsible for our commitment. So here's what we're going to do next. We're going we're gonna to repeat that. If you can go and you can put on my commitment next for me, that next slide, thank you. We're going to repeat it again. Are you guys ready? Since God's glory in New Hope Church depends on me doing my part, I will take full responsibility for my commitment. Yeah, and I get that through in verses 4 through 6. Look, look at that with me. It says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in hope, in the hope of your calling, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Did you notice how many times it said one? Your commitment to New Hope Church matters. Now, a few things to say real quick. If you're here and you're a guest and you're visiting us, we are super happy you're here. Um, we want you to feel welcome. We want you to have um, just full access to us. If you want questions, need anything, we're here for you. Now, if you are here at a guest just for the weekend, maybe, or for a short period of time, and you have a home church someplace else, do not neglect your commitment to your home church. We're happy you're here, by the way. But make sure when you go back, you are fully engaged and committed to your home church. Because your commitment to your home church matters. God's glory depends on it. Now, you might be another person here. You might be attending this church for a while. You're kind of in that transitionary phase. You're a Christian. Maybe you're kind of church shopping. Let me just say this. And I'm the new guy, so, like, uh, take it if you want with a grain of salt. That's fine. That is meant to be a transitionary period in your life. It's meant to be a short-term period in your life. God wants you to enjoy the blessing of commitment to a church. Maybe it's new hope. So let me say it like this. I'll share my own personal example. I went to a Bible institute a little, little ways up north called Word of Life. And I was two years there, and it was great. I was studying the Bible every day. I was living with other Christians on a campus, a community of Christians. And that was great. But something was missing. And it wasn't until I came and I started attending New Hope Church and then went through the Discovering New Hope class and went forward in commitment and then followed through on my commitment as a member that God started doing something really, really big in my heart. My heart burned when, when Robbie would preach the word in ways that I hadn't had happen before. And I responded in obedience in ways that I was not by simply studying the word of God and hanging out with other Christians. See, it's a blessing for you to be committed to a church and God would be, will be glorified in it. His worth will be known when you move forward to say, this is my church, I'm all in to serve here. So, so maybe, you, maybe you haven't gone to our Discovering New Hope class. Come on down forward after. We'll, we'll help you with the next time that that's, that that's coming. Maybe you've gone to it, but you haven't followed through after. You're still kind of on the fence. Can I encourage you? What are the reasons that you haven't moved forward at, that, at this point? that you haven't followed through on commitment. If you don't know it, think about it. And if you do, why haven't you resolved that? See, maybe this is the area you need to circle today. And I'm not pressing harder than this other than to just say, we would love for you to be on board with us. And if there's issues, if you've got to think through it with us, we're happy and we're here for you. But man, don't miss out on the blessing. That's all I want to say. All right, next. 
you might be a member of New Hope Church. And as I'm sharing with this, you are realizing that you've kind of shirked your responsibility. You know, it's kind of like a wedding, like a marriage, right? Like the wedding day is great and following through, you know, going to that point and and getting married is is awesome and that's a great day. But the real blessing comes on the follow through, the day-to-day, years and years and years of following through on your commitment. Am I right? How many people agree with that? That's where it comes. Same is true for your membership, your commitment, your partnership with New Hope Church for God's glory. So, maybe this is you right now. you got to circle it, and you, got, you know what God's saying to you right now, or you're going to pray through it over the next week, and you say, God, how do I, how do I plug back in? How do I, how do I follow through on the commitment I made to New Hope Church? And let me encourage you, when you do that, you're saying, Jesus, you're that worth it. And when you do that, God is glorified. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Not only, not only are we responsible for our attitude and our commitment, but we are also responsible for our surrender. So let's go to that next slide, if you would, please. Let's say it together. Since God's glory in New Hope Church depends on me doing my part, I will take full responsibility for my surrender. Yeah, and I get that in the next verses. Uh, Verses 7 through 13. Notice this. It says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, first off, one of the things that we got to recognize is that God has given us grace, and he's given us really that in the person of Christ himself. Himself, rather. So our first area that we need to be responsible to is surrender to Christ himself. Now, we do that first in salvation. We surrender to all that he's done on the cross for us, and we give our lives over to him in response. If you haven't done that, we'd love to help you with that. That's the first area. Secondly, we need to surrender daily to Christ. We need to surrender daily to him. Every day, moment by moment, we want to follow his lead in our life, and we are seeking his personal direction in our life. And whatever he says, before he's ever said it, we're willing to say yes, and when he does, we do it. That's the goal. And then notice this. It goes on in verse seven, or verse 8. It says, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives, Love captive, rather, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, also he who ascended far above the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Now, when I first read that verse, I was kind of like, what is that all about? That is kind of confusing. So I kept reading it over and over and over and over again. Does anybody else hear, Lord, I lift your name on high? You know, you know, he came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Y'all are wondering why I have not been hired as the worship pastor, aren't you? In all seriousness, what you're seeing there, just seeing Paul make a, make a gospel statement there. See, it's the gospel that we must surrender to. We must be responsible to surrender to because not only is the gospel about our salvation, and, and, and that's really important, but the gospel is a daily, moment-by-moment moment thing that we must surrender to. See, the gospel is going to affect how we feel because what the gospel says is it says you once were primarily identified as dead to God. You once were primarily identified as a sinner. But now, 
You are characterized as being alive to God and a saint. That's your primary identity. You are a saint. And there are going to be times when you feel like the dirtiest of sinners. You need to surrender to the gospel at that point that says, no, no, no. I know who I am. That does not define me. I am alive to God. I am a saint. I am free to choose right, and I will do that next time. See, that's what the gospel says. Not only does the gospel help us in our sin and in our guilt and shame, the gospel gives us purpose and meaning. See, it's the gospel that says, I once was dead to God. I was doing my own thing. Now I'm alive to God. And because I'm alive to God, it matters. I need to surrender to Christ. I need to know what he wants me to do. I need to know, God, where am I going? What am I doing? Where am I? What is my best part? How can I best serve you? And it's a moment by moment saying, I am dead to sin. I'm alive to God. And because of that, my decisions, they all matter to be alive as though I'm living alive for God. It's the gospel. And not only is it that, but it ultimately leads us to the place that we're, man, this is awesome. And I got to share it with other people. And so we surrender in the moment when we don't want to do it and we look really, we think we're going to look really foolish to say, yeah, you know, so I'm a sinner and you are too, right? And we go and get to the point of Jesus died for me, he died for you. You can have a relationship with God. Let me tell you about what's happened in my life. And we get real and we get honest. See, when we do that, when we surrender to the gospel, Jesus' value has seen his glory shown in our lives. So not only are we responsible to surrender to the gospel and Christ, but we're also responsible to surrender to the leadership of New Hope Church. Notice what the next verses say. It says this in verse 11. It says, And he, Jesus, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This is what I want to say real quick to you guys about this. Two things. First of all, it was not a denomination that recognized that Robbie Langford was, called, was a church planner and then sent him to New York State. And it was not a committee of pastors, and it was not a committee of church members that called the pastors of this church. It was Jesus who gave them to us. And it's really weird because I'm about to become one of the pastors here. So if I can just, for the moment, just step out as though though I'm not, just so it doesn't feel as weird for me. It might be okay for you, but it's weird for me to say it in that way. Um, God has given, Jesus himself has given the pastors to us. They are a gift to you. And notice why they were given. Not for them to do the ministry, for them to do the work of the ministry, but for us to do the ministry. They are here to help us, equip us, build us up so that we can take responsibility for God's glory being seen here and when we are sent out into our communities, in our workplaces, in our homes, they're here for us. So we are responsible for our surrender to our leaders at New Hope Church. And and surrender is just a synonym for submit, isn't it? So here's a little practical idea. Do you come here every week 
preparing your heart as the worship team leads you? Are you preparing your heart in worship? Are you getting ready to hear from them and to let them lead you to the throne of God and to worship Him? Are you getting ready and then once, this, once Robbie comes up and starts preaching, are you trying, are you listening, are you paying attention, are you asking Jesus, what do you have for me now? What do you have for me now? What do you have for me? I want something, I'll do anything. I surrender to you, whatever it is. Do you have that kind of heart? Are you cultivating that heart? Here's one more way to kind of think through it. We all have major transitions and decisions in our life that we are making, right? Almost, there's opportunities that come and major heart struggles and, and, and troubles. Are you staying online with the pastors on a regular basis? In major moments of decision, are you inviting one of the pastors in? Are you saying, hey, this is what's going on in my life? This is what I'm thinking? Do you have any wisdom input on that? Do you have any idea about that? What's your, what's your input? Do you have anything? And the reason why... It's because Jesus himself has given them to you as shepherds of your heart and soul. So, so our surrender to our leadership matters. And if you do that, let me encourage you. This is not meant to be like a, a Jeff up here, this random guy giving you some kind of convicting message. My heart is just this. May you be encouraged. If you take it, this is the area that you realize, man, I got something going on in my life and my pastors need to know about it. Circle it. Take a step this week. Send an email out. Make a phone call. Come down here at the end. When you make that step, you're saying, Jesus, you're worth that. And God will be glorified. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. So not only are we responsible for our attitudes and our commitment and, and, and our surrender, but we're also responsible for our maturity. So that's our next phrase. Let's say it together. Since God's glory in New Hope Church depends on me doing my part, I will take full responsibility for my maturity. And I get that in verses 14 through 16. Check this out. Verses 14 to 16. It says, and as a, as a result, we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Notice what that is. That's a contrast. You know what that is? That's a description of someone who's not taking responsibility for their, for their lives. That's a description of someone who's not taking responsibility for their maturity. As a result, they're not regularly pursuing growth. They're not, regu- they're not, they're not even paying attention necessarily to what's, being com- what's coming into their lives. Whatever it is, they might be just kind of flippant with whatever kind of spirituality it is. So, oh, it's spiritual? I'll take that in. And so as a result, they're getting all kind of nonsense and getting all kind of messed up inside. And they don't know if it's Jesus or if it's Buddha or if it's something else. And so when they come here, they don't know when God is speaking to them. And as a result, they're left as children. And here's the problem. Here's the description of that. The issue as to why Paul uses that is not that children are bad. It's that children are irresponsible. You can't give them responsibility. And, and isn't that the goal of parenting? That we parent our child to the point that they can become a responsible human being? That we get them to the point that we continue to, to give them more and more responsibility? Our desire to do that is that they would want that responsibility. And so we want to cultivate that in them. And so a child, we don't want that. We want to take responsibility to grow up as the sons and daughters the gospel says we are. Notice what it says here. In verse, in verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fit, 
fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the power working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And so we get back to the end there. And now you have the contrast of a child who is growing up. See, God says you are a son and a daughter. And God's primary work in your life right now is to grow you up into that son and daughter. And so, when you take responsibility for that, and you take whatever that means for you, maybe this week, you're saying, God, I'm with you on that. You're that worth it. He will be glorified here in New Hope Church. And that is awesome. And so by way of illustration, I've asked Chris to come on up. And Chris is going to help us kind of think through uh, what we've just talked about. Now, Chris is a physically fit man. He is a marathon runner. He's an uh, a Ironman triathlete. Is this right? No. <laughs> you just have that physique, Chris. I'm sorry. I just assumed all of that was true. Chris is going to uh, demonstrate a body working properly together because that's the, that's the way this verse ends. And remember, we are called, and Ephesians is written about the church, and one of the primary descriptions Ephesians uses as the church is that we are Christ's body here on earth, and so we are all doing a part in that. So Chris, would you show me a push-up and how to do a push-up well? Go ahead and get down in your position. People are going to watch you. It's going to be a little awkward, but it'll be good. All right. Well, well, let's go for it, my man. All right, give me your push-up. Now, notice how, how well... Keep going, thank you. Notice how well he can do it. Chris, can you do 50 of those? I think he could do 50. Notice how easily his body is going. Take a knee for a moment. Now, here's the thing. By the looks of that, that looked pretty easy. And here's why. It's because every part of his body was doing its part to accomplish the goal of a push-up. And so if the goal was 50 push-ups, by looking at what he was doing in there in those five, we could all say, I think 50 is possible. How many want to put a bet on 50? I mean, no, we don't bet in church. Excuse me. I mean, how many want to say, yeah, he would have gotten to 50? You guys are mean. I think he could have gotten to 50. But that's not what we're going to do. We're, thank you. I got one. I got one. Do I have another? I can't do the, uh, the auctioning. All right. That's great. All right. So here's the deal. The same is true here at New Hope Church. If all of us are online doing our part, saying, Jesus, you are that worth it, I am going to do my part to take full responsibility for your glory here in New Hope Church because you matter and people need to know about you. Imagine the potential. God will surely be glorified. And not only will he be glorified, but the potential by which we could glorify him is huge. Almost endless. Probably is. The Holy Spirit, unlimited resources, star breather. All right, here we go. Next thing we're going to do. I would like you to take one hand away, Chris. Should we start with a leg first, maybe? All right, we'll start with a leg. Lift a leg, please. All right, now, try and do a push-up, please. Spread that leg out here. I once was a personal trainer. All right, here we go. Go down, my friend. Spread your hand. There we go. Now, is anybody else seeing he's doing them? Keep going. But is anybody else recognizing there's a little bit of, a, of, of some struggle happening here? Put your leg down now. I had one volunteer. Thank you. You can take a break. Um, I had one volunteer saying that I think he could hit 50. So we've got two people in the house that think Chris could have hit 50 with all of his hands and arms together. How many people now think Chris could hit 50 with his leg up? We got another. We got, we got a random one that came in from behind. I'm not saying he's hitting 50 now. I'm sorry. We got another one in the back maybe. All right. Here's the deal. If... Some of us do not take responsibility to do our part. Those of us that are Christians here, by the way, do not take responsibility to do our part here for, to glorify God in New Hope Church. Our potential to glorify him has been greatly impacted. See, you're, you doing your part matters. And that, this is where it gets really crazy. 
All right, Chris, you ready? All right, one hand and one arm. You choose. I recommend diagonal. It's a lot easier. So that leg back up and that hand away, please. Put the hand behind your hip. Whatever, whatever you want. We'll go strong arm, strong leg. That's fine. Here we go. Come on, Chris. Let's go, boy. Everyone, give him a round of applause. Thanks, buddy. All right. Here, here's the deal. Notice, notice that the goal... Yeah, that was awesome. Notice I didn't do it. Um, the goal... That was awesome. Here's the goal. Here's the, here's the motivation. This is a frightening reality. What happens if enough of us do not do our part and go offline? Our, do not do our part that we know God has given us to bring glory here in New Hope Church. It's possible Dare I even say, it is probable that God will not be glorified in New Hope Church. And I don't know about you, but that frightens me. And that motivates me. God matters, and this church matters. Paul prayed for this church. And I look forward to the day when we stand before Jesus, and I think New Hope Church is going to be talked about then. And Paul's going to come up, and Paul's going to talk about the day that he prayed for God to be glorified in all generations when he was thinking about Ephesus. And he's going to see our church, and he's going to go, wow, God, you are awesome. Look what you did here. I want to be a part of that. So what's your one thing? Let's repeat it one last time, and we're going to add all those four areas together. Ready? Let's go there. Since Ready? Since God's glory in New Hope Church depends on me doing my part, I will take full responsibility for my attitude, my commitment, my surrender, my maturity. Pray with me real quick. God, we, uh, we join with Paul in his prayer for our church, New Hope, as he Paul for, prayed for Ephesus, that you would be glorified here. And right now, Wherever we're at with that, we, we just pause and we say, Jesus, we're listening. Maybe we've already heard. We're to follow you through on that. I pray for those that have heard from the Lord that they follow through this week. And I pray that they be encouraged and excited that when they do, they're doing their part. They're going online. They're saying, Jesus, you are that worth it. And that you will be glorified here in this church. And we join all together as well to pray for the churches that will be here when new hope is long and gone. Maybe it won't, and Jesus will come back before then, and we'll be excited if that's the case. But we pray for the churches of all generations and the churches that new hope will get to be a part of this long lineage of this incredible thing that is the church. We pray for you, Jesus, to be glorified, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.